good evening and welcome to another episode of We Are Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for the show because I'm not putting a time thing on it because people keep telling me it's not evening time when they listen. So I'm not going to bother doing that anymore. But thank you for joining me and listening and joining us because um, joining me is, um, I can't see him. He's across the other side of the world, but I can guarantee that he has a semi-permanent smile on his face at the moment just now because I'm joined by Richard Keane. And Richard Keane is from Ninth Haven Games. And Richard Keane, when Jeff Goldblum asked him the question, we don't know if we could, we should have maybe asked the question if we should, he went ahead and he did it. So he's currently running uh, Dinogenics on Kickstarter, so uh, and he's definitely the little engine that could because it's currently it's the newly freshly funded Dinogenics, isn't it, Richard? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> but first of all, thanks for coming on the show because um, I understand that you've probably become a little bit busy <laughs> over the last twenty-four hours. Uh, that's that's an understatement. Thank you for having me. That's good, that's good. Um, we'll talk, obviously, we'll talk a little bit maybe about the previous the previous campaign because this is your second time to Kickstarter, but how are you feeling at the moment? What's the mood in camp? Are you smiling while you're talking to me just now? Uh, a little bit of smiling. Uh, I, I woke up this morning. Uh, I actually, I did not know I had funded when I first woke up. I noticed that my cell phone was blinking, and about a dozen people were telling me I should be very excited. <laughs> and that that was my morning. <laughs> what was it like? Was it um was it kind of like the best breakfast you'd ever had? Was it like the best shower that you'd ever had? Was nothing gonna phase you this morning? Well, well, first of all, I I didn't do any of that because <laughs> I had to immediately check my computer and see if uh, people were just messing with me, which they were not. <laughs> uh, so it was it was a good morning. It was a good morning. That's good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> we should cover off the admin and just let people know the re- um, just uh, a couple of things. So first of all, um, as I say, the reason that we do this is because um, I'm trying to speak to as many designers. Um, in the board game industry as possible. So it allows me to name drop as many designers as possible in future episodes as we go on. The second reason that we're doing this is because myself and Richard, we did speak, was that about a month ago, six weeks ago, when the first campaign, the first time you were running the campaign was kind of started because we were talking about um, you coming on and I think you had kind of um, looked at making the decision of of kind of taking taking things away so that was when we first spoke but one of the things we like to do in the show is we like to actually find out a little bit of history about yourself and we like to have a little peek back into the past we like to have a little study of the present and we also like to have a kind of like a maybe a look into the future of dna and dinosaurs so, um, do you want to do you want to maybe start by jumping back a bit and telling the kind of the good people how you got into the into the board game and hobby in the in the kind of the first place, Richard? Uh sure thing. Uh well, this this is my first board game I've worked on. Uh, I'll be right up front with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I've been interested in game design since quite literally since I was a child, though. And at back then, uh, I, I was more interested in video games and things to that sort. Uh, in college, I spent some time trying to do that a little bit and learned that I have very little talent when it comes to programming, so <laughs> that that wasn't ever going to happen. Uh, so I, I really started getting the board games at that point. And uh, from there, it I mean, it was a lot of playing games. Of course, this was still in college. Uh, college is a great time to pick up new games. Uh, Euro games were really just becoming a, a big thing over here in America, at least. Mm-hmm. And from there, it was basically putting ideas on paper. Uh, when I first started out working on this, it was it was more of a, you know, a, a side hobby project. It was just to see if I could do anything with it. Uh, over time, though, it, it kind of evolved. Like I, I would show some prototypes to friends and family, and the the early feedback was good. So. You know, we, we built on it from there. Uh, some other of my friends got involved with helping me prototype it, and then we started taking it around to other people as well. And I, I guess the, the rest is history. Um. <laughs> yeah. Millions of years of history. Um, I mean, what, what, what kind of gamer, what kind of games did you like to play? I mean, are you a kind of a, a Euro guy? Are you... Like more of a Meritrash. What was what was the kind of stuff that you used to play in in kind of college time? Uh, well, I mean, like a lot of people, Settlers of Catan was my first game, first mm-hmm. modern game, anyways. Uh, but the honest truth is, I like pretty much all types of games. I'm I'm not a big uh, you know casual social gamer, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Euro Ameritrash, it it's all good. Um, and actually, when it comes to Dinogenics, I like to think I've incorporated ideas, uh, a little bit of both genres into the game to try and make it have the, the mechanic foundation that Euro gamers love with a little bit more of the theming that uh, Ameritrash is known for. <laughs> That's for... Such, such a horrible phrase, Ameritrash. I, I agree. Um, I, I usually don't use that phrase, but uh, it, it is the... It's, the the common term, I guess, as it is. It's kind of become the kind of the norm, kind of the accepted phrase for something which isn't, which I guess doesn't have a lot of either lots of cubes. It has a massive scoring track around the side and uh, doesn't usually have an awful lot of dice. But I mean, there seems to be as time goes on a kind of a bigger mixture between between the between the kind of the genres. Um, I mean. Are there any games? I mean, have you got a reasonable size collection yourself then, in terms oh, of games? I do, and <laughs> with the onset of Kickstarter, it's only grown far larger. Yeah, probably larger than it should be, but uh, I enjoy it. <laughs> have you got? Um, do you have a pile of shame that hasn't been played, like everyone else? <laughs> There's a sigh. I'm guessing that's a yes. Most of my games have been played at least once, but oh, beyond that, um, I'm not going to comment. <laughs> <laughs> do you have like a, um, a kind of like a local group that you go to? Do you get friends coming around on a regular basis to kind of play? Uh, a little bit of both, actually. Um, some of the, the my original uh, game testers are also my, my closest friends here before oh. we kind of branched out. 
but I also take part in a number of meetups local to this area. Okay, okay, okay. Is there anything you've been playing recently that's kind of caught your caught your attention? Um, <laughs> there we play a lot of things. Um, like introducing new things at the uh, the local gaming group is kind of a a fun thing. Like just last night, uh, we played Great Western Trail. Oh yeah, it's the first time I've played that. That was a a great experience. I really enjoyed that one. Um, beyond that, though, it's it's <laughs> like honestly, it's uh, whatever new thing has come in for me from Kickstarter lately. So, really, what's the latest thing that you've had come in? Uh, you're getting grilled hard this evening, yes. Richard, because you're now a successful Kickstarter. So that means that you know you get grilled. <laughs> These these are also the very important questions. I'm sure everybody are, wants to know. No, these are the very important questions because it's not. It's like the cardboard that maketh the man, you know. And <laughs> it's important to find out that, um, you know, people don't just want to know that you came up with a game idea out of thin air. We want to know influences. We want to know your direction. We want to know whether you have the kind of the big kind of square shelving unit so we want to know if you just keep all your games in a cupboard or under a bed i mean these are the important questions richard these are the questions we expect you to to answer if you don't. <laughs> but um <laughs> um but no i mean um is there what i mean what's the last kind of kickstarter game that you had don't think you're getting away with this um no yeah <laughs> probably the the most recent one the yeah. the big one that i i know offhand this was actually uh couple months ago now Hmm. but uh the second wave of cthulhu wars just arrived at my house and anybody that's familiar with that game knows immediately that one i spent way too much money on it and two it takes up most of my gaming shelf so there's that uh but i do enjoy the game even if it is really overpriced and overproduced what kind so, of what what kind of game is it? Because I've um, it's just for people that are out there that are maybe going Cthulhu Wars. Is that I have no idea what that kind of is. It is a is it Meritrash? Is it Euro? Is it miniatures kind of fighting? What kind of what kind of game? Oh, is it? in this case, it's very Ameritrash. Um, yeah. Giant twelve-inch uh, tall miniatures, if they're even considered miniatures at that point, on a huge board that won't fit on most tables. <laughs> Uh, it, it's an area control game. Uh, hmm. Some people may be familiar with the game by Eric Lang called Chaos in the Old World. It yes. actually plays fairly similar to that, but with the Cthulhu mythos. I was going to say that the thing about Chaos of the Old World is since it's kind of gone out of print with um, uh, with Fantasy Flight games, um, it's very expensive, but then as you've just kind of insinuated, Cthulhu War sounds like it. <laughs> It didn't, it's probably it was. more so. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you go in kind of long and kind of did you did you go down to the deep extra pockets? Were you one of the big were you one of the big backers or not as big as some people. <laughs> However, this is actually the the second onslaught as they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first uh, onslaught of Cthulhu Wars came out quite some time ago and. Because it's an expensive game to produce, it didn't go to retail in any large fashion. It, it the the main game did, mm. but all of the expansions, which just to give 
listeners an idea, each expansion is about $60, so the price of a normal game. So they, they went back to Kickstarter, and so for Onslaught 2, I picked up all of those expansions that I didn't already own, so... Okay, and um, are you <laughs> going to any kind of groups to chat through about your Cthulhu Wars semi-addiction, or...? <laughs> Not currently. Not <laughs> <Okay>. currently. <laughs> you've not taken. You've not taken the plunge. But um, that's. I. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to judge on Kickstarter because they're. You know, you you get guys that'll easily shell out five, six, seven hundred dollars and think nothing of it, and then there's other folk that'll go fifteen dollars for a card game. Pff, you must be daft kind of thing so it's kind of each to their own i know that some people get really really passionate and if uh, the other way to look at it if that's the only thing that you're spending your money on then if you like it why not it's not going to make any difference to anyone else um have you managed to get it to the table yet that's the important thing uh actually quite a bit actually oh, that's um, cool. it's it's pretty popular with some of my friends at least mm-hmm. uh others dread the sight of it i think but uh <laughs> You know, it's Cthulhu Wars. That's expected. <laughs> is that the kind of is that kind of your is that kind of your bag? Or I mean, with you, okay, with you going down the kind of the design path and you bearing a wearing being a wearing, I'll learn to talk, and you being aware that you're going to be putting out your you were going to be putting out your own product out there. Have you tried to expand the kind of the different genres? that you played? I mean, have you become, found yourself kind of open-minded or trying to experience different types of games yourself? Uh, Very much so, uh, actually. That's one of the reasons why I do enjoy going to the game groups, because it exposes me to some games Mm. I may not otherwise uh, gain an interest in myself. Mm -hmm. And I very much believe that even if I don't particularly like a, a game, there's still a lot I can learn from it. So in that way, I you know, I try to try everything at least once. All right, okay. Is there um, is there anyone's any genres that you've kind of went? Actually, I'm right. I really don't like this one. This is this is awful, <laughs> and you really want to stay away from. Uh, I don't know if I I can say a genre, but when it comes to games like. Uh, munchkin for example i absolutely loathe that game so if uh if that's your if that's your go-to game you you may not like anything i produce but uh that is that's perfectly okay Uh, well it's okay i mean you can't like everything you but you know i've heard i don't know munchkin's really really popular i personally can put my hand up and say i've never played a game of munchkin the people that I know that speak about Munchkin say they don't like it at all, but it still seems to sell lots and lots and lots and lots and lots, so there must be kind of some kind of attraction to it. I have no idea what, but I might... I'm tempted to get hold of a copy and just see kind of what all the, the fuss is about, unless you, of course, tell me otherwise that I shouldn't bother and just borrow a friend's copy instead. Uh, it, it's a game made for people who enjoy pain and inflicting pain on others, and... You should avoid it. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll take your word for that then. Um, <clears throat> from somebody who goes to, from somebody who plays, and obviously doesn't like inflicting pain on others. What um, 
you mentioned obviously that you I mean as dino as dinogenics been something that's been sitting in the back of your mind for a while or have you are you one of these kind of designers that has had several ideas bubbling away and this is just one of them that's kind of coming to fruition uh, it's a little bit of both. Uh, as I've actually listed on my Kickstarter page, this has been in development for about three years now, which is almost unfathomable at this <laughs> point that it's been that long. Uh, in that time, there's been other games that have popped in my head that I would like to, you know, work on eventually. But this this has been at the forefront of my mind for quite a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where did you first get the idea from? I mean, where where did you sit there and go, oh, this is it, guys, girls, we're going to make a dinosaur park game? Uh, honestly, one of the inspirations probably isn't going to come as a surprise to a lot of people because it's been mentioned on many forums mm. and Facebook posts. But uh, Caverna was really one of the games that kind of set me down this path. Mm. And mm-hmm. I love Caverna. A, a lot of people do, obviously. But one thing about Caverna that I've never been such a fan of and other, well, I guess this is going back to uh, Euro games and whatnot, is that many of them are very solitaire type experiences Mm. where it's a group of people more or less playing a game by themselves. And there might be a little bit of player interaction, but on the whole, you don't influence what other people do. No, no. So for Dinogenics, I thought this would be a perfect opportunity to take some of the ideas of this game, which I love. I love games that allow you to actually build something, make it your own, which is perfect for building a dinosaur park because everybody wants to have something unique to them. And then I kind of took this idea of making the, the corporations that people are playing somewhat corrupt, just mm-hmm. as a thematic choice. But that also gives an opportunity because at that point uh, there's a valid reason for these competing corporations that obviously want all the money to mess with each other a little bit. Mm. And there's very little like direct attack in the game, but there is many ways that you can either benefit from what other people do or prevent them from doing something. Yeah. So I think that's a, a really interesting concept. It it takes, you know, the elements of the the Eurogame Foundation and just makes them a little bit more interesting. No, I mean you see it you do see it time and time again where there's very there's almost like at the beginning of a round there's a little bit of interaction and then um at the end when you're doing scoring there potentially is a, again. I mean Power Power Grid's one of these games that there seem the inter, you get an interaction in terms of the auctioning for the power stations at the beginning, but there's not really that much interaction as well. I found um, <clears throat> terraforming Mars to be it didn't ma- it didn't seem to matter if there was like two people playing it or maybe three or four people playing it. It there didn't again seem to be kind of a lot of. Um, interaction between between the players, there was an overall effect that would have an effect on everybody, but there wasn't anything, any kind of to and froing between a lot of people, um, unless you were actively trying to mess, kind of mess people, kind of over. Um, when you were when you were starting on Dinogenics, did you 
were you playing around? Were you like saying, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this all the way. This is something that's kind of definitely going out there. When did it move from being a kind of a let me see if I can design a board game to let me see if I can actually make this a commercial type of product? What was the process with that? So one of the, the, the tools that really helped me get going early on is actually a, uh, a computer program. It's called Tabletop Simulator. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it costs 20 bucks, somewhere around there. And the reason this was great is it, it creates a 3D environment that you can play board games with people. Mm-hmm. But more importantly than that, it makes prototyping anything a breeze. You can literally import any amount of artwork into the engine, and you can be playing it with a group of people within a number of hours. Um, so that's kind of where we got our start going with this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it, it allowed some very rapid prototyping early on. Uh, from there, it was basically taking that idea, uh, seeing how they work in a digital environment, and trying to transpose that over to a physical environment. Mm-hmm. And an early lesson was basically discovering that some things that do work really well in a digital environment don't work at all when you're doing them in person. Yeah. So th- there was a bit of back and forth there, but it was a way to get the early prototyping stage down. And mm-hmm. once we had something that people were actually enjoying playing in that format, uh, we were or I was able to take it uh, away from there and try and get people to play it in the real world. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you know, it was still, it was just a, a side hobby that I was playing around with. Uh, however, I, I don't remember what the designer was, but they mentioned um, the, the steps of getting like a, a physical prototype uh, produced with some degree of professional quality to it. Yeah. And so we went from, you know, scribbles on a page to... A fairly developed prototype at that point and that was kind of the moment when people actually saw our original artwork in place mm-hmm. and were telling us how you know this this actually feels like running a dinosaur park that's the moment when i realized that we i might have something here this is something that i could do mm-hmm. because you're um when you're not the board game design and you're uh, you're your world is like, is it digital design? I think you've mentioned before. Um, as a day job, that's what you kind of involved in. You're involved in the kind of the digital field yourself. I, I am. I am a web designer slash graphic designer slash animator by trade. Uh, mm. A little bit of everything in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So did that make the whole journey into Tabletopia? You were just like, well, this is easy. I can just throw this here and throw that there. Because I know of others that have um, struggled a bit putting stuff on Tabletopia unless they've got um, a kind of a bit of a graphical (laughs) design kind of background to them. I know it's kind of easy once you know how, um, but is that as, you know, did you find it, it sounds to me like you you found it just like a bit of a breeze (laughs) to just get the stuff kind of organised and have a have a have a digital prototype as opposed to maybe a physical one instead. Uh, exactly. Uh, early on, it it was just a great experience. It, uh, basically, as long as you know how to use Photoshop, you mm. can put a prototype together, and that that was enough for me. Does that mean you've already got? Is there already a couple of um, saved files? 
um, that you're developing. Are, okay, look at it this way. Are you going to be continuing this? Is Tabletopia more likely to be kind of like a helpful design tool to you? You're not necessarily going to be the guy that's going to be sitting there with marker pens and white pieces of paper prototyping the next game. Uh, very much so. Uh, where I live, I, I live in Vermont, which is one of the smaller populated states in mm. the United States. Mm. So there there actually isn't that big a population here. Like I live in the biggest city in my state, but yeah. compared to most states, this is a small town. Right. So the fact that I can create a digital prototype and get it to people all over the country is a huge advantage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did that help during the kind of the? Were you using Tabletopia more as a, as a kind of like a feedback tool? Were you able to send people kind of like the game to play through and get them get their feedback from that rather than have to, I guess, shell out capital to get a lot of kind of physical copies? Uh, early on, very much so. Ah. Uh, as things have gone forward, we have switched over to more physical prototypes that we actually send to people. Yeah. Just the, the tangibility of it is important for testing. Mm. But early on, it, it was a great tool because if somebody sent us back feedback, then I, I can edit a single file in a computer program and pu- publish it, and then the, the updated version is ready to go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's cool. And you're in the... I think you're... You, you end up having to because um, the kind of like reviewers and previewers and guys like that, they still like to get their hands on a bit of physical cardboard, <laughs> I think is the way that it goes. Very much so, which has actually been one of, the, uh, one of the hurdles for us because, as I've mentioned, this, this is a new thing for me. Uh, we don't have a lot of money to invest in this project so Mm. it's basically come out of my my personal pocket every new thing that has to come up so creating the physical prototypes getting them out to previewers reviewers and getting them to actually take a look at it has taken some effort (laughs) it sounds like a bit of a i mean um let's we'll talk obviously about the gameplay let's talk about the kind of the touch on the previous campaign obviously i'm not going to go on about it because i don't want to upset you but (laughs) um it's not let's make you cry um (laughs) no the you ran the campaign um before and um there were you know you, you you decided right okay this isn't going where i want it to go um you know from what what would you say are the main things that you've maybe done differently on this campaign compared to what you did kind of previously so far? You know, what were the what were the things that looking back now you went, well, ah, uh, yeah, actually, uh, yeah, you were right. That was that should have been done slightly differently or better or is there anything like that? Uh, I mean, a lot of it comes down to the <laughs> it, first time developer. It comes down to money uh, ultimately. Uh, we set our funding goal quite high. The reason was uh, we did not have a lot to invest in our initial art budget. Uh-huh. Uh, so we were trying to, we were hoping that we would hit our initial funding goal, and I wouldn't have to go uh, go into debt to make the art for the game, which is always a problem. But the other big issue was shipping cost. I really believe that that was 
probably the biggest hurdle in our campaign. Part of it was that our game is actually pretty heavy, uh, physically heavy. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of wood bits inside, all the dinosaur meeples, uh, a number of cubes, a ton of cards. And all of that has uh, a big weight footprint as far as shipping it around the world. And so when we got the shipping estimate from our distributor, uh, it really was at the time as low as it could go. Yeah. Uh, However, for large portion of the world, pretty much everybody out of the United States, it was prohibitively high. Mm. Uh, So one of the things we did is we kind of went back to the drawing board on a few of the components. Uh, We reduced the size of some things, uh, reduced the the thickness of some cardstock, took out some of the uh, blocks that almost never got used in the game because you very rarely hit the cap on things. Yeah, yeah. And we just, we pulled them back slightly, not a whole great deal, uh, but it actually made a, a big difference, everything uh, taken together. We, we shaved off almost a pound from our original uh, shipping weight, which, uh, I mean, you can take a look on Kickstarter right now and compare the, the shipping costs. They are drastically different. And... I think that's made a huge improvement to a lot of backers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah. I mean, you're looking at looking at the shipping costs. Um, I mean, it's twelve bucks for the US, but for the EU, it is it's only fifteen. Yep. And knowing and knowing having you know personal experience of of how much a shipping cost can be, fifteen bucks is. Mm, nothing <laughs> really in terms of getting something shipped from the from the US to well getting shipped to 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 Europe you know on a Kickstarter campaign is kind of the expected kind of price that all you know that um is perfectly looks perfectly reasonable to myself um let's okay we'll we'll have to the other thing that um there was was and I Never understood this, so I I might rant. I'm gonna, but you probably won't because you sound like a a decent, well-adjusted human being who will not get angry. But um, the whole dinosaur. Let's talk about the dinosaur island in the room as well, because uh-huh. I <clears throat> I think it's the only time I kind of I think I stepped away from a discussion on a Facebook group because I remember seeing the first time the campaign. And everybody, you would think that if somebody makes a game in a genre that nobody else is ever allowed to make a, a game in a genre again. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there was a post on Facebook to say, well, here's, you know, um, here's Dinosaur Island. And then it's like, you know, here's here's Dinogenics. And there was like Dinosaur Island. And then let's talk about Dinosaur Island. And oh, it looks like Dinosaur Island and blah, 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 Dinosaur Island. And it was just... It was just because it was about dinosaurs <laughs> that was the only thing I could see about it. I mean, um, and then people were like, well, I'm not going to back it because it's similar to another game. And it's like, well, you've, says the guy that's just backed kind of like Zombie Side and then is going for the Walking Dead kind of game. Was that, um, was that frustrating for you as well at the time? So this is one that, um, we were actually prepping the go to Kickstarter 
towards the the end of last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were finalizing things uh, around the end of November, early December, and on the advice of pretty much everyone we spoke with, said don't don't launch in December yeah. because that's that's the death of your your Kickstarter if you do that. Mm-hmm. And so we had planned to postpone it a couple months, uh, launch in February, roughly. Uh, a little while after that, uh, th- there was a couple delays in there too, so this isn't the only reason. But uh, I actually uh, got up one morning and looked on Kick Tracker, mm-hmm. and there was a dinosaur game. <laughs> uh, so I, I clicked on it, took a good look at it, realized that um, on the surface it, it looked exactly like the game I was trying to make. Yeah. Suddenly got very depressed uh, <laughs> and spent, uh, you know, a good half hour reading through their rule book to see how close the games actually were. Yeah. And as it turns out, the two games are vastly different. They they obviously share the, the same theme, but yeah. mechanically they are very different. But at the same time, I'm not a complete idiot, and I knew that launching my Kickstarter at the same time as theirs would probably not be a very smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I postponed it um, until the, the launch of the original Kickstarter, which I believe was in August. I yeah. hope I'm yeah. not getting that wrong at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's up to me to get the research wrong, not you, Richard. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but there was a lot of blowback from people that either had backed that game or had just been kind of following along. And I don't necessarily hold that against anyone. But um, just the fact that a lot of people were judging the game without knowing anything about it, just on the the theme and aesthetic alone. Uh, so there, there were a couple people that were trying to champion the differences, but they were getting... Uh, you know, shouted over by a lot of the the other commenters. Yeah. And it it was dragging things down. And whenever possible, I tried to join the the conversations and go through some of the things that made the games different. But when you're, you know, you're, you're kind of like trying to uphold one side of a conversation when the other side has, you know, 100 times as many people. So it, it was a detriment to the campaign, for sure. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. But then it's strange because it appears like can timings, timing does appear to be everything because you've mentioned, obviously, I mean, is there a really big difference? Can you put your hand in your heart and say there is a massive difference between the game that we launched tail end of August and the game that's we're going to be sending out to people once it's ready. I mean, is there that much of a fundamental difference between the game? Uh, there's not. Uh, one of the... I didn't touch on this before, but one of the other things that we did after closing down our first campaign is uh, we went back and invested a lot of our own money into improving the artwork, mm-hmm. which if you just take a quick look at our header image on our new Kickstarter, you can see that that has made a, a huge improvement as well. So you know, I have no doubt that that contributed uh, a fair amount as well. 
and mm-hmm. we've we've gone through all of our artwork. Um, we actually have a few pieces we're waiting for right now, so we can get everything up to date. But I do think that has also helped our campaign quite considerably. Mm-hmm. So are you in the process where not all the artwork is done that you're going to be using the the Kickstarter to fund some more of the artwork and things like that then? Uh, to some degree. Uh, right now we are roughly 85% done on art, but that uh-huh. still means there's there's a, a few things here or there that needs you know the artwork finished, created. Um, graphic design is another one. Uh, a lot of the, the, the graphical elements of the game, like the iconography, that isn't completely finalized right now. We have had some people voice concerns about that, and you know, we try to be upfront about that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that has been um, when we were in prototyping, uh, we were mostly dealing with uh, English speakers. And now that we're trying to appeal to a global environment, uh, we're also trying to simplify the the wording on things down to simple iconography that you know anybody can understand without needing to go through a lot of translation. Mm-hmm. So in that way, you know, we've gone through various iterations of it. Some of it is pretty close to finalize, but again, all of this is going to see a little bit more polish before we go to print. Okay, okay, okay. Um, are you still kind of tinkering back and forward a bit with the gameplay itself? Then, are you? Are you? Have you had to be strict with yourself and say? Oh, it's funded! Yay! Let's go and change everything to right. <laughs> that's you know, that'll do. Gameplay pay. itself yeah. is like ninety-eight percent where it's going to be. Okay. Uh, there, there have been a couple minor adjustments. Of course, now we we have a lot more people interested in the game. We have a lot more people playing the game. Yeah. So there, there are a couple things uh, as far as balance go that have gotten through to this point. Uh, and those things might get an adjustment. Usually it's something simple like uh, adjusting the cost of this facility by one one credit or two credits, something like that. Or realizing that uh, our manipulation cards, which are powerful one-time use abilities, uh, realizing that if you combo it just perfectly with this other manipulation card, you can break a system in the game, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But on the whole, the mechanics are where they're where they're going to be. Um, there are a couple minor things uh, we have discussed adding as stretch goals, but it's very minor as far as the overall gameplay is concerned. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's always a? Do you think there's more of a pressure nowadays to have kind of like almost like a finalized, completed game out there that people are just you know expecting just to go into production? Is you know, has anyone been you know, as a surprise that people you when you say, well, actually, I'm not a hundred percent of the way there. I'm ninety eight percent of the there where I'm kind of eighty five percent with my art here as well. Do you think it's a big pressure for just here? Here's your product. This is what we're going to be doing, and and then it's kind of away. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure for that, which is a little bit unfortunate for the Kickstarter platform in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of big developers have kind of moved in on the Kickstarter platform. Um, cool Mini or Not just comes to mind, which yeah. usually launch on Kickstarter with 
products that really don't need Kickstarter, but use them more as a marketing tool than anything else. Yeah. And the unfortunate reality is if you are a s- small developer or a first-time developer, somebody that doesn't have the ability to fund everything out of pocket, you still get compared against these giants. And in that way, you know, you, you really need the highest quality production values you can just to kind of get your foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you're not small fry anymore, Mr. Keen, are you, Mr. Fundy Boy? All funded and stuff. I think I can. I'm. I think I'm still small until till the end of the campaign. I think you're still small until you've reached thirty-eight thousand dollars. Oh, look, you've reached thirty-eight thousand one hundred and twenty-seven. <laughs> I mean, you must be. I mean, you must be. You know, I said this at the beginning, but you must be going to be going. This is amazing, but also at the same time, guys, where were you all in August? <laughs> There's a little bit of that for sure. Uh, the The first day of the camp, well, this is only the second day of the campaign when I'm talking to you, but the first day, I, I was taking a peek at some of the backers coming in to see if they were return backers. Hmm. I was actually surprised that the majority of them were new. Uh, it wasn't until later that some of my return backers started showing up, and it was like, it's interesting uh, that these people didn't show up before. I'm a little disappointed, but uh, I'm glad you're here now. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it's good to have, um, yeah, but it's good to have the, the kind of support. Let's talk gameplay, sure. Mr. Mr. Keen, because I am, I was going to say I'm keen to hear about the gameplay, but that you're keen. I'm Richard Keen, <laughs> you're Richard Keen as well. Um, tell us about, I am staring at the Kickstarter and my hand is hovering gently over the um, Pledge Now button. What's it all about? How do I play it? How do I play the game? What's it, you know, what can I expect when I open up the the lovely, freshly produced game? So one of the, the, the conventions that I, I wanted to embrace a lot with this game is that it, it's a little bit of a sandbox type experiment uh, experience. rather. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really want people to be able to build the park they want. And to that end, the, the main mechanics of the game involve, uh, in, in normal worker placement fashion, you send your workers to the mainland uh, where there are various dig sites. Mm-hmm. You collect DNA. Mm-hmm. And you take it home. Uh, there's a little bit of a set collection mechanic here where the the DNA you get from the dig sites is actually randomized. It's a deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need a complete matching set of uh, the specific dinosaur DNA to create the, the dinosaurs. Um, to mitigate the randomness, however, there are a number of mechanics in the game that kind of get around this. And this is a little bit where the the player interaction that I spoke of before comes into play. Yeah. Because uh, the DNA market, which is uh, takes place at the city center, plays a large role in this. So on a player's turn, they can send one of their workers to the city center. Uh, from there, there are a, a ton of things you can do, like build fences, buy facilities, things like that. But you can also interact with the DNA market. So in this case, let's say you uh, uh, went and dug up some T-Rex DNA, but you don't hmm. want a T-Rex because they're scary and might eat your visitors. So instead, you sell it to the DNA market. 
So when you do that, one, you get a bunch of money that you can use to spend on other things in the city center. Uh But where the the player interaction comes in here is that other players then get access to that DNA. They can buy it on their turns. And the, the DNA market track kind of moves forward the more DNA there pushes um, the items down the track, reduces their cost, makes it more appealing. Uh, Brontosaur DNA is rather expensive, but if you get it to the end of the track, then it's uh, two credits less. So that's great. That's pretty um, cool. Other things are the manipulation cards, which I think I've mentioned a couple times now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So these are a, a little bit like... Uh, I, I mentioned that the competing corporations are a little bit shady. Uh, in their dealings. So the manipulation cards basically allow you to uh, take usually illegal activities and you play them and they give you special abilities which could be um, anything from buying DNA from the black market which drastically reduces its cost or you can go into a research pact with the other players. When you do that you get to draw a number of cards equal to the number of players and you actually get to distribute them among the players. You can actually also keep them all for yourself if you're greedy but since it's a research pact you'll gain a number of scandals for doing so which is negative points at the end of the game. But All of these things kind of come together to get you the DNA. So what do you do with it? Uh, you you know, you know, build your, your park. Um, this is a very physical game when it comes to the, uh, the park building and the dinosaur mechanics. Um, dinosaurs must be contained within a, a fence pen on your park board. I love that. <laughs> I, and... just love that. I just love the fact that you've got big, huge things of wood surrounding... <laughs> like dinosaur meatball wood things which are really cool is there not a frog dna though richard there there is not a frog dna however (sighs) we we actually explain in kind of our backstory for the game that all of the dinosaurs and dinogenics are actually mutants it's just varying degrees of mutants so Uh... you you know they're not exactly the uh the true-to-life dinosaurs uh we, we actually explain that the reason for that is um the, the original Dinogenics facility tried making true-to-life dinosaurs, but because they had feathers, people that grew up with the old type of dinosaurs didn't actually like them. So they asked the facility to manipulate them to be more appealing to audiences. That's a bit scientifically cool, isn't it? Because <laughs> it's probably... You know yeah, what's that? It's a big chicken. It's the yeah. Tyrannosaurus <laughs> chicken. It's coming to get you. Um... But that's right, no, that's fair enough. Do you know what I mean? You didn't want a big, huge ostrich coming after you, so we've given you something something more terrible instead. But it's good to hear that um, the frog DNA... Is the frog DNA going to be a, uh, um, a stretch goal then? I'm not sure. I'm not committing to anything right now. Are you doing potentially a frog meeple that you would bring in as extra bonus DNA? No. Maybe it could be like a first player marker. That, you have to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to hold it to you but I'm just going to say that we do have this on tape and I do okay. have it dated and I'm also going to just put a comment on the Kickstarter campaign just now <laughs> <laughs> thanks <laughs> to, um, no, <laughs> no uh, <laughs> Richard, no give me a sec I'm just going to do this Richard said that 
the first I'm going to do that no I'm going to do this after the show because this is rude <laughs> I can't, can't, be do, can't be doing stuff and kind of letting said that the first wait the, the I can't spell I can't spell and talk at this far, same time I can't multitask it's um, probably for the best <clears throat> it is probably for the best um, so you get your park you've uh, gone for <laughs> yeah you've gone for the dinosaurs you've gone for green ones can we cover that off quickly? People have, you know, obviously people. some people said, but why have you gone for green dinosaurs? And the other one I've seen is, why haven't you gone for dinosaur minis? And the dinosaur mini question is easy. Mate, if you're so set up about getting dinosaur minis, get yourself down to a kid's toy store and you can pick them up for like 50 cents or a dollar each, okay? If you really need your dinosaur minis. You know, unless you're going to tell me they're a stretch goal and I should keep my mouth shut. But, um... Was the dinosaur meeples like a, a kind of a conscious decision just to keep everything kind of nice and clean and green? Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I'll admit that early on I did look into what it would take to produce um, like more developed dinosaur miniatures, mm-hmm. and ultimately the the cost associated with them and the the results of actually what they would look like, they they just don't measure up at our scale of production to. The, the wooden dinosaur meeples, which I actually really like in this case. Um, you can probably see the, the number of photos I've taken. I, I have the, the wooden dinosaur meeples in my house right now, and they're, they're wonderful. So, <laughs> What was it like kind of getting, um, getting them made and then opening up the little envelope and having them sitting there? Were you just like that? This, is, this isn't me just buying a game. This is my game. And these are my components. Isn't this just the best? Uh, it, it really was. Uh, we got those from um, our manufacturer, Panda Panda Games. Uh-huh. And when I opened the, the container up, first of all, they sent me more copies than I thought they would. I thought I was only going to get one copy, and I got three. So that was wow. a great, great thing to discover. But... Yeah, just uh, putting them on the board for the first time, of course, during prototyping, we'd been using little wooden disc with pictures of dinosaurs uh, glued onto them, mm-hmm. which it works mechanically, but having the, the physical component there in your hands, it really is an awesome experience. Did you get the little dinosaurs and pretend to be actual dinosaurs and make noises and stuff? I, I can't say I did that you one. You did so totally. Totally dead. Are you could imagine going, now I'm going to eat you. <laughs> I would have done that. No, <laughs> I, I, like that. I did not. But no, uh, you so dead. Don't. That's you. You telling me that you had an entire set of your own wooden dinosaurs in front of you on your prototype board, and you didn't go about going, I'm the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I'm going to eat everybody. No. No, but I did make a little diorama of a bunch of raptors breaking out of their pens. So I, I did do that one. Did you? Did you? Do? Did you take a photo? <laughs> I, I did, but I can't show it yet because it actually has a stretch goal I haven't <sighs> announced yet in it. So they just, you know, what I mean, the Mister Keen giveth and Mister Keen taketh away. But, <laughs> um. <laughs> <clears throat> no, but in the and I, I mean in the case, yeah, as you said in the minis question, I mean I, tooling is a big amount of money, and design is a big amount of money, and also I'm not being strange here, but dinosaurs people have a very very set view of dinosaurs and what colors mm-hmm. and stuff like and shapes of colors and 
should be. And sometimes having something which is almost just like a recognisable icon is better than actually going for the um, the real thing. Because, mm-hmm. let's face it, people think T-Rex, you are going to think Jurassic Park. Do you know what I mean? I personally, I think Land Before Time, but that's just me. But, you know, they're going to have a set view of what these different kind of, you know, dinosaurs look like to people. So I like the, I like the idea that they're representations, they're nice representations of the pieces. I guess if people want to go ahead and paint them, there isn't nothing to do them. Are you doing dinosaur stickers for the side of the meeples, Richard? Uh, we had considered that early on, but we, we asked, you know, during our first campaign, we did ask people if they were interested in something like that, and most hmm. people actually said they weren't. Hmm. I wonder, since we have a much larger audience now, I don't know if that would still hold true. Uh, personally, I, I do kind of like the simplicity of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that we did get a lot of feedback early on, though, was the the particular shade of green that the, the dinosaur meeples are. And that is something that we are considering, um, varying the colors a little bit just to make them easier to spot on the board and so that you can tell one species from another. But we don't have... Um, we, we haven't decided completely on what those colors will be, or okay. even if we will go that route. Okay, that's cool, that's cool. But I guess this is, takes you into the interesting territory of um, kind of stretch goals, which we'll go into. But going back to the gameplay, <laughs> because we've we, been... We kind of sidestepped we that te- a little we, bit. Well, this is Welcome to We're Not, we're not Wizards. You are in Tangent <laughs> tangent City population moi um <clears throat> once you got your dinosaurs i take it then you've got to make sure that the, the 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 paddocks themselves are maintained and stuff like that exactly uh one of the the main balancing mechanics of the game is the reputation track mm. so when you build a new dinosaur you immediately move your reputation forward on the track Mm-hmm. And this is a, a fairly simple slider. Everybody has a, a little reputation cube. And the idea of this is if you have more impressive dinosaurs in your park, mm-hmm. probably more people are going to want to come visit the park that has three T-Rexes and a bunch of raptors and a park that has a single very sad Triceratops. So <laughs> it makes sense thematically, <laughs> but um, it, it's also a bit of balancing uh, because... The, the Triceratops and all of the herbivores themselves are fairly self-sufficient. Um, mm. They do not have a requirement to keep them going. Whereas all of the carnivores, which are worth a lot more points and reputation, they actually have a meat requirement every season. So that means that you actually have to collect a separate resource to keep them happy. And one area where Dinogenics kind of differs from other games in this genre is that the the animals, the dinosaurs, will actually become angry if they are not well kept. And when it comes to something like a T-Rex, that means... And this is one of the the few random elements in the game, is we do have dice. Uh, They're rampage dice. If you neglect to feed your T-Rex for a season... Uh, you have to roll the rampage dice, and the the randomness is actually fairly light. Most of the sides of the dice are bad. You do not want to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when you do it, depending on the result, uh, one of two main things are going to happen. Either the dinosaur is just going to break a fence and start wandering around your park, which 
is an inconvenience, but isn't going to be that big a deal as long as you get them under wraps before the next season. Or you're going to roll a critical failure, which basically means that not only did it break a fence, but it also ate the visitor sitting on the other side of the fence. (laughs) (laughs) And when that happens, one, you gain a scandal token, but two, the visitor is immediately removed from your your park, which means you do not get the score it for the round, which means you're, you're, you're missing out on... Uh, victory points in the form of visitors. The other thing is dinosaurs uh, can also inadvertently free other dinosaurs. So if you have a particular bad example where, say, a T-Rex was not fed and the raptor sitting next to it was not fed, they might both break out and also free the the Triceratops and the uh, Stegosaurus in your park. At which point, you know, your, your building structures... Uh, can all get destroyed, and it's generally a bad time for your visitors. The p- other people at the table enjoy it, though. <laughs> it's like there is nothing tastier than scared um, dinosaur tourists. Um, <laughs> I'm just, just saying, just throwing that comment kind of out there. Is it playable? Is it a certain number of rounds that you play, or is it up to a certain score that the winners decided? Because you mentioned scandal tokens, so I guess you get to a point and then that's it, everybody stops and you count up how well you've kind of done? Uh, yes, there there is uh, a preset number of seasons. Uh, it's six main seasons plus a preseason. The preseason basically takes place before visitors are distributed, so that, that first season is basically setting up your park, trying to get a dinosaur, things uh-huh. like that. Okay. Um, and when I spoke of the reputation track, uh, every season it actually advances um, forward, increasing the number of visitors that are actually interested in visiting the parks. So there's a bit of a active competition among uh, players to try and one-up each other with reputation so that you can get more visitors, which are both victory points and money for your uh, future seasons. Stretch goals then. Let's, because that, I mean, it sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, let's, thank you. <laughs> no, I like the idea. I like. Um, well, okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to have the dinosaur things, and I'm going to be playing about with them for about three times, three times more than I'll before I'll kind of play the game. But at least I'll have little dinosaur meeples before I actually play the game and get around to playing it. But the concept <laughs> sounds really, really interesting. And you know, you are now in the land of potential stretch goals. So last time, obviously, it was like, is this going to fund? Mm, I don't know. You're now in the land of, well, this has funded. Now we're thinking stretch goals. How far down the kind of the stretch goal path are you? I mean, are you have you actually thought, well, yeah, I do have things planned out? Or is it a case of, well, I'm so far planned out, but I'm not sure where I can go kind of afterwards? So uh, this is something I've actually discussed quite a bit with our manufacturer. We do have a roadmap up to about $100,000 in stretch goals. Right. So right now, you know, if things continue as they have, there's a very real possibility we'll get there. Um, There is one far-reaching additional goal that... At the time of our first Kickstarter, you know, it was such a far-fledged goal that I 
didn't fully um, develop it at the time, but okay. that's what I'll call the $150,000 stretch goal. All right, at which okay. point there is something very big, very exciting that I'm not I'm not going to disclose right now. But um, I think if we hit there, we'll have some happy backers. If you reach the 150000 goal, will you get one of those T-Rex outfits and shoot a video of you announcing that you've reached the $150,000 goal? You know, one of my friends actually already volunteered to wear one of those suits at one point, so I may hold not, her to that. If not you talking about your friend, I'm talking about you. <laughs> hmm... <laughs> We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Is that a yes? That sounds like a yes. That's, that's not a yes. <laughs> that would be a, I just thought that'd be so cool. We've reached 100. You don't even have to, like, kind of appear in camera. You just have to kind of run past. <laughs> like a T-Rex. <laughs> just going, $150,000! Like that, and then just go, and that'll be fine. That would be absolutely amazing. Um, What... <laughs> Um, going for I mean, so this you know, so that'll be good. I'm looking forward to seeing you doing the video of you and the T Rex or any other dinosaur. You could be a sad Triceratops if you wanted to. Um, <laughs> but um, so that's exciting for stretch goals. In terms of going forward, building the community, keeping the momentum going. Do you have plans for that? Is this all of a sudden? Is this moving from something? I know because is this moving from something that well, I, okay, I I really need to be keeping an eye on this. Um, are you going to be looking for help with the community? Are you going to see what type of community comes up in the comments and stuff like that? Uh, there there are a number of different things. Obviously, when the the first Kickstarter uh, shut down, one of the first things I did is tried to reach out to many as many different you know media venues as I could to try and get some uh, additional coverage, get, you know, more videos created, previews, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we have some of that coming. Um, unfortunately, a month was probably not as long as uh, I could have used to get some of that going. But yeah. um, we, we do have some videos planned for the coming uh, weeks. I actually hope that... Um, uh, by the 10th, we should have access to some new footage, which um, I'd really like to show like a full playthrough of the game, mm -hmm. uh, preferably in person, um, oh. and things like that. Uh, also, obviously, trying to get the community involved a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, anytime a discussion shows up, if if they'll have me, I try to participate in the conversation. Um, sometimes that goes well. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of an ongoing thing. We we also didn't really expect this to blow up in the first day, so there there is a little bit of uh, we're we're kind of rushing to get everything together now. I, I'll be upfront about that, In including the dinosaur costume. Um, <laughs> I am gonna You're not keep gonna going. let that one go. I am <laughs> that's going out in every single tweet about the episode. There's gonna be. <laughs> Various pictures of various people in dinosaur costumes. I'm going to say, is have you seen, have you, have you seen the Kinosaurus Rex? Thanks. There you go. That's your name. 
I'll be putting that on the comments and the Twitter and the Kickstarter thing as well. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> You'll love it. I could even draw you a little picture of you as a dinosaur, too. Um, All right, I'm going to hold you to that one. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, if you send me a picture, I will draw you as the Kinosaurus Rex. <laughs> and we have this. If you send me a picture this evening, I will draw you a picture as a Kinosaurus Rex and I will put it on the Twitter account. I'm swearing this in front of all 12 and a half listeners that we have. <laughs> but I will I will definitely I will de- everybody can point me on this. If you don't see if you don't see a picture of Richard Keane as a Kinosaurus Rex by the depending on him giving me a photograph by the 11th of October you have permission to come down and track me and hunt me down like the dog I am. Um, <clears throat> if people are listening just now, and there are more than 12, there's 17, um, if people are listening just now and they're saying, listen, this sounds quite good, you know, I, I kind of wouldn't mind getting getting my own little dinosaur park kind of going. Dinogenic sounds like the way to go. How much is it for them to get involved how much uh, money is it going to cost them to, to jump in and pledge, Mr. Keane? Uh, so the the basic pledge, uh, mm-hmm. standard park manager pledge, is $54. And that'll get you a complete set of the game. So you get the you get the full game, you get all the unlike, unlocked, unlocked, locally, all the unlocked stretch goals. It's actually, it's actually I'm reading it. And I can't even read properly. That is absolutely ridiculous. It's just... I'm not even going to bother editing that out because it just shows how stupid I'm being anyway. But $49, that'll get... Well, $49 is an egg hatcher. That's the early backer. But the 54 that is the main deal. That'll get you right in. So it'll either be $12 shipping or $15 shipping, depending where in the world you are. But there's obviously other shipping prices, depending if you're a little bit further afield. Um... If people are interested in keeping up with you on the social side of things, on the interweb nets, where can they find you? Where will they? Where will you uh, hang the, out? The best place to find us is right now on Facebook. Um, we keep that up to date regularly. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you can find us at uh, facebook.com slash dinogenics. Okay. You can also find us on Twitter at Ninth Haven Games. Yes. Where did you get the name from? Uh, the, nowhere in particular. Uh, <laughs> you, you put me on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> I did. You know, I put, yeah, yeah, because I, I was meaning to ask that. No. Um, yeah. Um, it, it basically is just a takeoff of uh, my standard username. I use Lord Nine as a. Username for almost everything. Oh, so if you right, see that okay. person somewhere, it there's a good chance it's me, it's unless they're doing something horrible or stupid. In which case, it's definitely not me. <laughs> if it's a guy in a dinosaur costume doing a video, that's not me <laughs> either. It's definitely not you either. <laughs> um, one of the things I noticed on the campaign was that um, was that you're putting the delivery down as um, next year, November next year. Yes. Um, is there a reason? I mean, is there a reason behind that? Um, is it you? Are you just being guys? This is Kickstarter. Delays potentially can happen, and you'd rather kind of under promise, you know, 
over-deliver type thing. You'd rather get it into people's hands if you can as early as possible kind of thing. Very much so. Um, we are a first-time developer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're working with a great company, but at the same time, we are new to this. We are upfront about that fact. And uh, most of us on the, the Dynogenics team are you know, frequent Kickstarter backers. We've seen numerous projects we've backed um, that do not fulfill on their original fulfillment date. And rather than experience that ourselves, we gave ourselves a little bit of a cushion there yeah. as far as um, our actual manufacturing and shipping estimate and when uh, the game would actually arrive. Um, so yeah, we, we're, we're playing it safe a little bit there. And... We we believe in you know complete transparency as far as communicating with the uh, community goes. So if if anything does come up, uh, we will be upfront about it. Or yeah. if if development goes right on track and you know we can get the game in people's hands a couple months earlier than our estimated date, all the better. Yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to be proven wrong over that, wouldn't it? And and end up saying, oh, I'm sorry, we delivered in August. You know, yeah. my my bad kind of thing. Um, exactly. Okay, I got two more two more questions for you. Well, first of all, listen, thank you for coming on because this this has been a lot of fun. Um, well, I've enjoyed myself. You're probably sitting there going, what am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, if you were a dinosaur, what dinosaur would you be? Ankylosaurus. Oh, really? I should draw you as an Ankylosaurus then. <laughs> the club, club tail... It, it's it's a big giant turtle with a battering ram as a tail. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll consider that done. Then we'll not do the Kinosaurus Rex. We'll do something else. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> secondly, if if the dinosaurs did come back to life, if they started rampaging through the um, through the state of Vermont. And if you were in a situation where you're getting chased about by a velociraptor and your shelter is by running down to an alley and you end up in a board game shop and you shut the door behind you because it's an external fire escape and the velociraptor can't get in. You're you're in a board game shop, you're allowed to take any three board games you want. Now that can be anything with expansions, it can be anything is available at all. You've got a trolley. Unfortunately, the trolley only carries three games. What three games do you take with you back out into dinosaur land, Mr. Keen? Are, are, are these... Are these ones that I'm just stealing from the shop, or are these these games I'm saving? Listen, for... it's car, it's carnage and chaos outside. You know, if you decide if it helps you, you have a wallet with uh, a stupid amount of money, um, which you stole off somebody else, um, but, and you can put some money on the counter to play for it. But any three games at all, you're about to head out. You're not going to necessarily be fighting dinosaurs. But you will come across kind of people that are in ones, groups of twos, groups of fives, groups of tens. And when you ask them the question, if they would like to play a board game, the answer is always going to be yes. So which games would you take with you? Ah, uh, I see. Uh, 
Probably Scythe would be on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, probably Forbidden Stars. I'm a big fan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. For the third one. Third one. The third one's a doozy. Hmm. I, I might actually take Cthulhu Wars that I mentioned earlier, just because if I don't play it, I could at least use it as building materials. <laughs> you could actually use it to build another whole park. Yes. <laughs> to judging, by the si- judging by the size of it. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, that's fine. We shall... You go off into into the city and you live a life of um, herding triceratops and fighting off... Um, Velociraptors and everything is good, but in the middle you have a good couple of games of like Cthulhu Wars and Forbidden Stars and Scythe, which is always good. Um, <clears throat> again, um, thank you very, very much for coming on. Thank you I for having you, me. I wish you all the success with the game, which is now sitting at. And I'll give you a live update because you're you're probably looking at it anyway. You're probably frantically f five in it and then realizing. I, I actually haven't refreshed it in a while, but that's that's a nice number. Um. Okay. Thirty nine thousand. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Thirty nine thousand one hundred seventy nine. That's dude. Seven hundred fifty eight backers, Mister Keen. There you go. That's, that's pretty good. That is pretty good, isn't it? It's all smiles around here. Um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're doing. <laughs> And I know Richard's going to wish he'd been doing something else this afternoon. Um, you can find us if you go on Twitter. We're on We Are Not Wizards. You can go on Facebook, which is We Are Not Wizards. You can go find us on um, Instagram, which is also, guess what? We Are Not Wizards. You can find us now on YouTube because we have got over 100 subscribers on YouTube, which means that as of yesterday, we have now our own little custom youtube url which is kind of cool so if you go to um youtube.com forward slash c for some reason which i'm assuming stands for channel and it's we're not wizards tabletop pod cast will find us there um if you have liked what you've listened to tonight and you want to reach out and get in contact with you maybe you have got a campaign like uh, richard's running and you'd like to have a chat with us then you can email us on magic at we'renotwizards.com or .co.uk or send us a message through Facebook or any or Twitter or any other way you want to reach out. Um, if you have liked what you've heard tonight even more, you can jump onto Apple Podcasts. You can give us a review. Now, what we like to say is, if you are giving us a review, don't give us 10 because that will make us big-headed. But don't give us a 1 because that will make us cry. Um, give us a five, because that's kind of average. It's in the middle. And we, we're just a bit average, to be honest. Um, but the person that's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, the rather fully funded, fully armed and operational battle station that is Mr. Richard Keane. So thank you again, Richard. Thank you. And there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Richard? No, sir. Absolutely not. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it is goodbye 
from Richard. Say goodbye, goodbye. Richard. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sixes. You know, as we said at the top of the show, if you're deciding whether or not you can do something and whether or not you should do something, if it maybe comes to making your own board game, maybe you should go on the side of the should do something and see what happens because sometimes maybe you'll get eaten by a velociraptor but sometimes you'll go on to soar in the sky like a pterosaur like Richard has here. But until the next time, goodbye.